1: Empty Set Entertainment presents Slay, created by Scott Sigler. This story is intended for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome back to the Old Stone Church. We finished season one of Slay in episode 34, almost. Here we are with episode 35, the epilogue. This is the last you'll hear of our friends until Slay Season 2. When will Slay Season 2 be out? I have no idea. I've got the Warpath novel to finish, then GFL7's final draft, then a whole bunch of crypt books. We will get to it when we can. However, however, there will be Slay Episode 36 and maybe 37. Those are Q&A episodes recorded live during our weekly live streams. Lots of questions by readers and listeners and junkies just like you. So you'll get one, possibly two more doses of Slay, but it's all me, friends, and I didn't bring an ancient Scandinavian hatchet with me to do my work. Now, go get yourself a beverage, drink along with the gang, and let's check out the rather violent epilogue of Slay Season 1. Previously on Slay. Lincoln got help from his sister Sophia and his brother Lucas to stop Dante's attack against Callista, who is now firmly back in control of her club and her criminal empire in the city of Lumencia. Badly wounded, Lincoln and his siblings then rushed to the old stone church to save Magda, Ariella, and Billy from Butch and the rolling outlaws, only to find Dragon tearing the gangbangers to pieces. Billy, too, had wounds from using his bare hands to rip apart the meshwork and wire that had kept Dragon immobile. And now, the epilogue of Slay Season 1. I get this ache, and I, I thought it was for sex, but it's to tear everything to fucking pieces. Billy tried to focus on Catherine Isabel's performance as Ginger, but it was hard to focus on anything but the worms. Several of them. All a sickly, grayish pink. The bigger ones were maybe a foot long, slithering slowly between his fingers, across his palm, over the backs of his hands. The smaller ones were three or four inches long, but those were the squickiest of them all because they weren't content to just be on his fingers. They slithered inside as well, their boneless bodies and mucus-covered skin letting them slide effortlessly into his cuts. Maybe it was a good thing Magda had vetoed Lincoln's choice of movie, The Ruins. Billy hadn't thought about it then, but that would be a hard flick to watch while he felt things wriggling around under his skin. It was gross. So gross. But Magda said he had to leave the worms. She called them carofactors alone. Let them work their healing powers on his cut flesh, on his severed tendons and ligaments. Billy was kicked back in a full-length lawn chair, brand new, courtesy of Ariella. He kept his hands on the armrests and tried to ignore the stomach-churning sensation of something crawling around inside him. Magda sat in the lawn chair to Billy's right, Lincoln in one to his left. Lincoln was drinking hard. Magda had her favorite bong in her lap. While the coffee table had been destroyed, the bong had come out unscathed. A miracle, Magda had said. Ariella had bought the chairs because the lazy boy was already ashes in the burn pit out back and the couch had been sent to Cordis for a special deep cleaning so Dragon wouldn't smell the human blood soaked into the fabric. No one had said boo about a replacement coffee table, but Ariella would probably take care of that, too. The screen, the projector. The Marshall amp for audio, a battered gray garbage can with empty pizza boxes stacked atop it, and the beer pong table were all that remained in the nave. Everything else had been thrown out or cleared out by the half-dozen bondage-gear-clad gnomes who were finishing up their scrubbing of floors and walls, sweeping up the last bits of bone and meat that had thus far evaded cleaning. Billy heard the squeak of a chew toy. Dragon, back to her old, long, black-furred, not-quite-two-foot-long self, tore through the doggy door and into the nave, a plush toy armadillo in her mouth. She hopped onto Billy's lawn chair, curled up between his feet, and gently pulled at the armadillo, holding it in place with her front paws. Yeah, sure. Jump up there with Billy, Link said, his words slurring. Don't come hang with me or anything. Link was tying one on to say the least. He had saved Kalista, which meant he had saved his son, Samuel. That, Link said, was reason enough to get good and crocked. Add in the fact that Billy, Magda, Ariella, and Dragon had survived the assault of Butch and the Rolling Outlaws, and well, Lincoln felt that was a double-plus-good reason to party. And what better way to party than with horror movies playing on the blood-streaked projection screen and supernatural worms sliding through wounds that should have required reconstructive surgery. Billy could think of many better ways, but he wasn't complaining. He wasn't complaining because he had fucked up royally and they hadn't kicked him out. Lincoln and Magda wanted him here, with them, in the old stone church, and Billy wanted to be here. As soon as Lincoln let Billy call Grandma, he'd let her know he was moving out. Time to be a grown-ass man and move away from her, even if his new home was just across town. It wasn't only about getting out on his own for the first time in his life, though. Billy, apparently, had power. Power of a kind he didn't understand. Maybe a lot of power. Lincoln and Magda were going to show him how to use it. The scrawny, tiny neighborhood weakling was no more. Soon, hopefully, Billy would be strong. Strong in a way he had never dreamed. That friggin' dog got no friggin' loyalty, Lingit said. No loyalty! Whatever Dragon was, she wasn't a dog. Dragon, too, was part of Billy's excitement. He had connected with her in a deep, meaningful way from never having had a pet in his life to bonding with a 15-foot-long Chinese dragon that masqueraded as a fluffy, long-haired dachshund? That was a pretty damn good trade-in. Link, quit your bitchin', Magda said. In case you haven't noticed, your lap is full. That was an understatement. Shitbird lay on a blanket atop Link's lap. On his back, his wings lazily spread his feet sticking up like a dead bug's, and his belly sticking out comically. He looked like he'd swallowed a grapefruit. Billy had lost track of what Lincoln had fed the bird. Six or seven pizza crusts, two full sleeves of saltines, a tomato that had seen better days, one half of a stale baby Ruth, a handful of moldy Cheez-Its, and a few recently dead bugs that Bengals' crew had swept out from under the fridge. For all of Link's complaining, he seemed surprisingly content. He'd been hand-feeding shitbird for hours. With the crow passed out, Lincoln's fingertips gently stroked the bird's chest. Link had worms, too. Big, fat ones sliding in and out of his shoulder. Billy couldn't even look at him. So disgusting. Lincoln had one in his leg as well, and a few in his back. Magda assured both of them that they would be fine, as long as they relaxed and let the process run its course. factors rest, booze, pot, and something called gobbers. That was her prescription for healing. Lincoln huffed. Man, if this is a werewolf movie, where the hell are the werewolves? This flick is a slow burn, Magda said. Link, when you fuck... You want to get your nut off in the first 15 seconds or something? Lincoln shrugged. Well, that would be pretty efficient, don't you think? Magda lit her bongs bowl, inhaled deeply, and held it in. Motherfucking man over here thinks 15 seconds is good sex. Shit. Lincoln took a swig from his bottle of Yukon Jack. They'd let Billy pick the movie. He'd felt compelled to select a horror flick. When your projection screen is permanently stained with gouts of dried blood, what are you going to watch? The English Patient? Ginger Snaps was an oldie, but a goodie. Maybe when they could afford a replacement screen, they would switch to comedies. This is a dumb movie, Link said. Should have gone with Dog Soldiers. Billy heard a rustling in the garbage can. The pizza box is atop it jostled, then slid to the side. An orange-faced, white-eyebrowed little person rose up from the can, kicking his leg over the rim to step down to the floor. Uh, hey, Mags, Billy said. I think an oopaloopa just hopped out of your trash can. That's the gobbers talking, Lil Peen. Magda hit the bong again, then held the bong in front of Billy. Time for your medicine! He was already higher than he had ever been in his life. But doctor's orders were doctor's orders. Billy put the tube's ring over his lips. Magda put her lighter to the bowl and sparked it. Billy breathed in. He held the smoke for all of two seconds before he coughed it out in a stuttering cloud. Dragon, yipped in delight, jumped into the air to try and bite the smoke Billy had let out. Hey. "'Asshole,' Lincoln said. "'Stop trying to get my dog high.' "'Sorry,' Billy said. Although they both knew Dragon wasn't Lincoln's dog anymore, Dragon was Billy's, and Billy was Dragon's. She was something special. Magda stood. She put her fingers to Billy's neck, checking his pulse. "'You're doing fine, little peen. The Carol Factus takes you real nice.' Let me get some more food for you both so they got material to work with. Magda walked into the kitchen. There wasn't much in the fridge. Magda had used her t-shirt money, now seven sales and counting, to buy Lincoln and Billy four large pizzas. They'd eaten them all within an hour. Carol Factors needed lots of raw materials to repair tissue and bone. Magda had hand-fed Billy, on account she didn't want him using his hands for anything, not for at least another five or six hours. Ooh, there was a casserole Tupperware container on the bottom shelf. Magda peeked under the lid, couldn't identify what the food was supposed to be, so she put it back. She checked the date on a half-empty bag of sliced turkey. Expired two days ago. Expiration dates were just suggestions, anyway. She opened the bag. The smell wrinkled her nose, made her turn her head away. She resealed the bag and put it back. Maybe it could be Shitbird's next meal. Magda had such a hankering for a big, nasty burger. Her favorite food in all the world. She and Link had always gone to big nasties after missions or battles, reveling in the fast food chain's nasty knapsack meal, which consisted of two burgers an ultra-large order of Fasenora's fries, a 40-ouncer of loathsome lager, and a half-dozen sinister soul holes. But one could only get Big Nasty in Cortis. Link wasn't going anywhere for a while, and it wasn't like Magda could go there on her own. Maybe she could ask Ariella to buy more pizza. Somehow, Ariella had become the money manager of the operation. Truth be told... Ariella was more than a bean counter. For all intents and purposes, she seemed to be the boss. How had that happened? Magda wasn't sure. And she wasn't sure how she felt about Ariella anymore. Magda still did not like her, not one bit. But Ariella had gained her respect. Sort of. When the rolling outlaws broke into the nave, Ariella left Magda holding the bag. Cowardly? Not if there was nothing else Ariella could do, not if her thread was exhausted. Getting out of there had been the smart play, even if it meant leaving Magda alone. And why shouldn't Ariella have left Magda alone? Hadn't Lincoln once done the same? Magda was deadweight. She couldn't even handle a few thugs who were in her own house. Magda had to do something she had to get help. Whatever. She didn't deserve help. Mags, come on back, Lincoln called. Magda returned to the nave. Ariella and Bingles were there. Ariella held Bofemol's big binder of bounties under one arm. Bingles wore the same shit-eating grin he'd had plastered on his face all day. His white beard reached down over his beer belly and almost to his brass belt buckle, which spelled out Big Poppy in rhinestone-covered letters. We found the last bits, Bengals said. There was a half an ass cheek and a bit of pancreas wedged behind that bookshelf in the office upstairs. I mean, it was stuffed in there like a half-cooked chicken in an after-hours Chipotle burrito made by a meth addict on work parole. I mean, I've seen shucked oysters left out in the sun for two days that were more appealing. Your protector got the job done, Link, but Martha Stewart, that dog ain't. Good thing I'm getting paid so well for this cleanup. Lincoln slumped lower in his chair, fuming with anger. He jostled Shitbird. One wing raised slightly, slowly lowered back down. Yes, it's quite the bill, Ariella said. Considering it's three times the normal rate, Lincoln is such a good negotiator. Fuck you, Ariella. Lincoln took a swig of whiskey. And fuck you too, bingles. The gnome laughed and slapped at his beer belly. I told you you'd call me, Link. I didn't call you, Lincoln said. Ariella did. Dildato, dildado. You can just say, you were right, bingles. Try it. It's like blowing a load that's been pent up for six days. You'll feel better. I know I'll feel better when you actually pay me. It will be a money shot. Literally. Ariella stared down at the gnome. Stop badgering my partner, she said. The nave looks properly clean, so I'll sign off on it. Is there anything else? That's the last of it. Bengals again slapped his belly, spoke louder so his workers could hear. Gang, pack up and head for the bathroom. We have to get home for Pin the Tail and the Gnome tonight. And let's not forget our final round of Tournament of Mjolnir. He looked up at Ariella. You're uh, welcome to join us here. Yeah. You tall drink of water? Everyone is tall to you, Ariella said. I'll pass. The gnomes gathered up their buckets and rags and boxes of mesh-imbued cleaning supplies. They left the room. Bengals, shut the nave doors behind him. Mostly shut them, as they wouldn't close all the way. The nave doors are being replaced tomorrow, Ariella said. It's going to cost us a fortune to repair everything. We're in debt again. Lincoln huffed. Surprise, surprise. Magda saw Billy shrink deeper into his chair. The damage to the church was on him, and he knew it. I want to go over this again. Ariella said. Lincoln, Billy, you sure Boss Hog doesn't know about this place? Pretty sure, Billy said. Most of the time Butch was here, he couldn't get through to Hog. He did at the end, but he didn't mention the church. And everyone else here was, well, dead as dried up dog shit. Lincoln took another swig. Hog doesn't know, and even if he did, he'll steer clear. Oleus as well. Neither of them want to be anywhere near Kalista now that she's back on her feet. Dante's hiding somewhere in Miami, from what I heard. Lincoln was halfway through his second fifth, and his slurred words showed it. Plus the gobbers. Plus dozens of bong hits. Plus that one Vicodin. Link was hammered. Dante should hide, Ariella said. Since he attacked Kalista directly, she's in her rights to put a bounty on him. A big bounty. Dante had his chance and he missed it. He'll be on the run for a long, long time. Still, we need to assume the word will get out we live here if it hasn't gotten out already. I'm bringing in a contractor to improve our home defense. Kellius Droman will be here Wednesday. Magda sat up. Kellius Droman? How the hell can we afford him? By going deeper into debt, of course. Ariella looked at Billy, smiled a bitter smile, and paying a rather significant interest rate. If Billy could have slid any further into his chair, he would have. Ariella again looked at Lincoln. Then there's the matter of your family, she said. Can they be trusted to keep this location secret? Lincoln sighed. Yes, Ariella, we can trust my brother and sister. Besides, even if we couldn't, what would we do about it? What, go after a pair of active Rixitors? (laughs) Magda didn't want that, not one bit. The Bastion had abandoned her. She wanted nothing to do with that place or anyone in it. A small part of Magda missed the days of being a Rixitor. The responsibility, the thrill. The danger, the sense of significance, of importance. But far more of her loathed the organization to which she had given her childhood, her adolescence, and any hope of a life without constant pain and fear. The nave doors flew open. Bingles ran in, little legs pumping, beer gut flopping. Link, do you feel that? Lincoln slowly sat forward. Yeah. Yeah, I do now. It's coming this way, Bingle said. I'm getting my people out of here. Good luck to you. The gnome ran out of the nave. Then Magda felt it, too. A heaviness. A darkness. Growing stronger by the second. A mesh worker of massive power. Lincoln stood. Same one I felt when I was getting that hard drive with Billy's money. He pulled carol factors from his shoulder, their bodies stretching like taffy. But it wasn't coming right at me then. Now it is. Magda pulled her doctor's bag from under her lawn chair. She opened it and held it out to Lincoln, who dropped the worms inside. It's gotta be a bounty hunter, Lincoln said. It's probably still after Billy. Ariella's free hand clutched at her turquoise necklace. Someone that powerful coming after a measly 50k bounty? It's something else. Maybe whoever backed Dante in his campaign against Callista wants payback against us. That sounded both logical and terrifying. They had no idea who Dante's mystery benefactor was. Magda pulled the last carol factor from Lincoln's shoulder. Your armor isn't ready, she said, but I patched the holes in your cloak. Lincoln's armor was a wreck. It required a full revitalization, a laborious process Magda hadn't yet started because she had focused on healing Lincoln's and Billy's wounds. Billy sat forward, started to rise, the motion awkward with his hands held up in front of him like a surgeon first stepping toward the operating table. Magda grabbed his shoulder, pushed him back down. You stay here, she said. For real this time. Lincoln said. No fucking around and doing your own thing. You stay in that chair till we come and get you. Got it? Billy nodded. Good, Lincoln said. Dragon, heal, let's go.
0: Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story Dark Dice
1: His between-cloak was a small comfort, but it didn't offer much protection. Maybe Ariella had a shield charm on her necklace. To Zona in hand, a prancing dachshund at his heels, Lincoln stepped out the church's front door. His legs wobbled slightly. Maybe he was drunker than he thought. And higher. He'd assumed the danger was over, figured he could get good and crocked, so he had let himself relax a little. Party a little. Bad timing. That's all it was. He stood at the top of the concrete steps. Dark clouds blocked out the night stars, reduced the moon's light to a paltry glow. Wind had kicked up out of nowhere, driving leaves and loose bits of trash across the church's yard, the street, and the empty lot on the other side. Whoever was coming had more power than Oleus Oakbeard, more than Callista, probably more than both combined. Lincoln's left arm had regained some movement, but not enough that he could use it in a fight. Down to one arm. No armor. Bad. Real bad. No one in sight. No unenlightened who might witness what was about to go down. I'll cover you from here. Magda, behind him, standing just inside the door. She had a Sig Sauer M716 slung over one shoulder and the KSG-12 shotgun, the one Lincoln had used to kill Billy's friend Joe, over the other. She held Lincoln's crossbow in her hands. It was a snapshot of the Magda of old, the badass Rixator, Lincoln's partner in carnage. But instead of her meshwork armor, she wore pajamas patterned with many Smurfettes in many poses. And she likely wouldn't, couldn't, set foot outside that door. Even if a fight moved inside the church, she might be no help there either. Ariella had told Lincoln how Magda had fallen apart while fighting Butch's men. Maybe whoever was coming would change direction. Or maybe they would pass over the church, leave Lincoln and his friends be. And if wishes were horses, beggars would ride. Ariella brushed past Magda. She'd found a hip holster somewhere in Magda's stash. The handle of a Ruger SR 1911 peeked out. Lincoln had forgotten about that gun. He had brought it home from Magda after one bounty or another he he couldn't recall. Not that a regular old pistol would do much good against whatever was coming. Hopefully, Ariella could use the charms on her necklace to do some damage. The belt and the holster... Did look good on her, though, he had to admit that. The wind picked up. There weren't many trees in the neighborhood, but those that grew along the sidewalks or up from the rubble-strewn empty lots bent and bowed. That's some dramatic wind, Ariella said. Well, at least there's no lightning. As if on cue, a miles-long bolt laced across the thick clouds. The thunder arrived two seconds later. That's bad, Ariella said. Real bad, Lincoln said. Another lightning bolt split the sky, and this time, the thunder arrived in under a second. Movement up in the clouds. A person, approaching fast, lemon-yellow aura trailing behind. Huh, Ariella said. I don't know what I was expecting, but, but not that. It was a woman a short one, a fat one, nearly as wide as she was tall. Lincoln had never seen her before. Magda, Ariella, you recognize her? No, Ariella said. Nope, Magda said. Never seen her before. That made Lincoln nervous, more afraid. There were many powerful enlightened, but those that reached levels like this built up their power over many years. And as they did, they became known. Whoever this was, they had likely laid low for a very long time. A hundred yards away now, descending and approaching fast. I've come for the boy! Her voice pierced the wind, carrying with it promises of pain, of death. Bring him to me or face the consequences! Lincoln wished his brother and sister were still here. The woman floated down to the street, landed, and walked forward, her hands and angry eyes blazing with yellow aura. She was older, perhaps in her 60s, wearing combat boots and a floral print muumuu. Lincoln descended the steps. Stay where you are! He raised the tip of his sword and pointed it toward the oncoming mage. Let's just discuss this. The woman flicked a finger. A ball of yellow energy shot toward him. With the speed the Franks family was known for, Lincoln angled to Zona and caught the blast, deflecting the energy away. Even as he did so, she sent a second finger flick blast at him, and this time he wasn't quick enough to block it. Or, perhaps, he was too drunk and too high to block it. The energy caught him in the chest and sent him flying backward. He slammed against the unforgiving concrete steps. It hurt. Damn, did he miss his armor. Dragon's body extended and thickened. She scurried toward the woman and was almost at full size when she opened her mouth and stretched forward to strike. The woman spread her hands. Lightning arced between her palms. She thrust that arc into Dragon's closing mouth. Energy coursed through Dragon's body, lit her up like a yellow lantern. Dragon yelped a very dog-like yelp and kept yelping as she fell to the ground, shuddering and twitching, the lightning wrapping around her neck and mouth like a living collar and muzzle. Lincoln fought against the pain in his back, got to his feet just as he heard the thrum of a crossbow string. The bolt hit the oncoming mage and exploded, engulfing the woman in green flame, so close that Lincoln felt the heat. Something shot through the green fireball, something thin and yellow, like a see-through rope. It wrapped around Magda. She dropped the crossbow. The fat mage pulled the intangible rope, yanking Magda out the doorway. She landed on Dragon. Protector and human alike jerked and twitched, paralyzed by the same incapacitating energy. Ariella touched her necklace. Legatus et! The old woman snapped her fingers in the middle of Ariella's sentence. The turquoise necklace, Ariella's only source of power, shot up into the air. The old woman twitched her head to the right. The necklace flew in that direction as if launched by a cannon. Lincoln rushed forward thrust his sword point straight at the old woman's chest. He saw it closing in. He knew he had her. He knew the steel would pierce her sternum and slice through her heart. She became human-formed yellow mist. Tizona slid through that mist, harmlessly. Lincoln sprang backward, looking for another shot, knowing that even the most powerful wizard could maintain intangibility for only a few seconds. Before he could strike again, she closed fast and became solid, her hand locking down on his crotch. A blast of electricity ripped through Lincoln's nuts and the rest of his body as well. He dropped his sword, shuddered involuntarily, could do nothing but suffer. She released him. He fell to the ground, drained, and defeated. He gazed up at the old woman. Her stomach heaved with deep breaths. The outpouring of massive power had exhausted her. She bent, put her hands on her knees, and sucked in air. She was spent. Ariella reached for her pistol. Still bent over, the old woman lifted a hand off her knee just enough to flick a finger. Ariella drew, only to have the pistol shot out of her hand by a pebble of yellow light. Just stop, the old woman said. You try anything else and I'll kill you. It was over. The wizard had beaten them. So why was Lincoln still alive? As he lay on the dirt and the grass, his body still convulsing from his electrocuted nuts, Lincoln saw, to his horror, that dumb shit Billy step out the church's front door his hands still wiggling with worms. The kid stared at the old woman, his eyes wide, his face the picture of confusion. Then he said one word, a word that changed everything. Grandma? You have been listening to Slay, created and read by Scott Sigler. Copyright 2023, Empty Set Entertainment. For more information on the author and more books, visit ScottSigler.com. Theme music is the song They're Watching Me by the band Superweapon.